All right, and now we will uh, we'll get into Scripture. So our Scripture for today is from Isaiah chapter 25, verse 6, through chapter 26, verse 6. And it says... On the mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all on this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. For the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain, and Moab shall be trampled down in his place. As straw is trampled down in a dunghill, and he will be, and he will spread out his hands in the midst of it as a swimmer spreads his hands out to swim, but the Lord will lay low his pompous pride together with the skill of his hands, and the high fortifications of his walls will he will bring down, lay low, and cast to the ground to the dust. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. For he has humbled the inhabitants of the height, the lofty city. He lays it low, lays it low to the ground, casts it to the dust. The foot tramples it, the feet of the poor, the steps of the needy. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Andrew. Well, we've been in a series in which we've been looking at what the Bible says about the city, a city, any city, but some cities in particular. And uh, we've concluded a few things as we've talked about cities for a couple of weeks here, um, saying, first of all, that God invented them. Man didn't come up with the idea of a city. God came up with that plan. Um, and we also looked at our motives concerning our city, the city that we live in. Why are we here? Uh, and do we really believe that God has us here for purpose and that there's an intent of God for each of us in the city? So with that, let's continue that and talk about Sioux Falls for just a little bit talk about our city, talk about our responsibility. But in doing that, let's talk about our church. Let's talk about life church for just a little bit. Uh, because we're not here just to hold worship services. We're not here just to come in on Sunday morning, uh, have a little prayer, have a little worship, uh, hear one of the pastors preach to you, uh, and then just go home and say, ah, good, we did it, uh, and be done. That's not the way life church is going to exist. Now, I know that some of us would enjoy that. There are some uh, weeks, there are some uh, probably months that I would love to just say, all right, let's just sort of bring it down and let's, let's just do church the way everybody else is going to do church and let's just stay right there um, and I'll find some rest in that. But that is not the way that God approaches our lives. That is not the way that God wants us to be operating. 
Um, he wants us on mission. He wants us doing things for the kingdom of God. And so when we sit here and we hear a message, when we, when we uh, pray prayers, when we sing hymns or songs or choruses, uh, the idea is that God is afoot. God is doing something. He's doing something not only around us, but he's doing something in us. He's bringing some kind of change, some kind of transformation, some kind of growth, some kind of spiritual development that moves us closer to him and further out into his world so that we are willingly doing something for the glory of God. And we believe that God does that in, in a variety of ways. God is very creative and God is very diverse. But we see through the scriptures one of the great ways that God moves and that God increases his kingdom is city by city by city by city. And we see that in the New Testament. We saw it in the Old Testament. We saw God initially as he began to deal with with the Israelites, say, hey, I want you to go into this promised land, but when you get there, you're going to build six cities. And they're going to be places of refuge. God exposed and demonstrated and showed his heart at the very beginning of offering this, this, this new world, if you will, to the Israelites. But even before that, God gave it into the heart of men, such as Cain, to build a city. And we see God moving in the New Testament in the book of Acts where he is moving various apostles and various disciples and various other leaders. And he's moving them from city to city to city to share the gospel. There is something about cities that God has his heartbeat on them and his intent is to work in them and to work through his people there. All right. Our mission statement simply states uh, that we're here to make disciples in our neighborhood and beyond. So in light of these scriptures that we heard today, I want to talk about that a little bit. I want to talk about a city, the importance of a city. I want to talk just a little bit about two different cities, a lofty city and a strong city. And then I want to talk about this idea of the city of God for just a moment. The question for you and I is, if that is our mission statement, if the mission statement of Life Church says we start in the neighborhood and we are missional there, we make disciples in the neighborhood and beyond, well, what exactly does beyond mean? All right? What, what does it mean? This is, this is not a buzz light year moment. To infinity and beyond, and it's some kind of crazy cartoonish kind of moment for us and we go ha ah, that was cool beyond for us is understood from the scriptures and this this statement if you will this mission of life church is biblical it's it's, it's biblically based so i would ask you to look for a moment in the book of acts in chapter one and there's a, there's a model, I think, for us in chapter 1 of the book of Acts that we can look at. It promises you something, first of all, and then it gives you a directive from there, all right? So if we can look at that in Acts chapter 1. Um, it says there that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, all right? But again, that's not some ethereal, uh, personal kind of joyful thing that's just for you. And you just get to enjoy a moment 
uh, that tickles you in some mysterious or mystical kind of way. But it is for a purpose. There is, a, there is an intentionality on the part of God of releasing His Spirit into the earth, in particular, to baptize His people. And that is that you will be a witness. Now, we immediately think of that and go, Oh, Lord, have mercy. That means I'm going to have to go and talk to somebody. I'm going to have to speak on, on behalf of God. And I'm not a good speaker. And I, I, I'm a timid individual. And I, I don't like doing that kind of thing. And I don't want to be up front. And I don't want to be out front. And I don't want to be vocal. You don't have to be. Your life should be a living witness for God. And so what you are doing, your choices you are making, your conversation that you are engaging in, your relationships that you are participating in, all of these things should be a witness to the glory of God. Your attitude and your work ethic should be a witness to God. Your decision making when no one else is around and can see you and it's a secret moment, it it needs to be a witness But here's the key. You're a witness. He says to those that he's speaking to on this occasion, they're in the city of Jerusalem. And this was the great city, if you will, of the day. And he says, you'll be witnesses. You'll be witnesses in Jerusalem. In other words, you'll be witnesses in the city. You'll be witnesses in this great city. That's where you're going to start. Right where I grab you. Right where I endue you. Right where I fill you with my spirit. You're going to be a witness. So your life is going to begin to flow. It's going to be an outflow of the spirit. What comes down from heaven enters you comes out from you and enters into the earth realm. And so the place that starts is the city you're in. And so we narrowed that a little bit more a few years ago when we moved into this building because we saw the great need of the neighborhood and we said, we want to focus on the neighborhood. And in all honesty, we've we've done that. I I think without boasting, I can say that we have tried to commit time and energy and resources to this neighborhood. We've prayer walked in this neighborhood. We've held events in this neighborhood like we're going to be doing next weekend. Uh, We've We've shared with people, we've, we've uh, farmed and, and, and raised produce uh, and brought it here and given it out on the weekends to the people of the neighborhood. Uh, we, we've done a lot of different things in the neighborhood to focus on the neighborhood. But we are growing as a church and we are sensing that God is speaking greater things to us. Not that we forsake the first call but that we understand that there are other ways that God would use Life Church and the people of Life Church than just in the neighborhood. And so we begin to understand that God has a call upon us to the city. And this great city, Sioux Falls, is on God's radar, and His intent is to use you and I. Okay, But... It doesn't stop there. You're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem, but also even beyond Jerusalem in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, what does the end of the earth mean? It's that last point globally where people don't know Jesus. 
So we don't get to stop. We can't say, okay, well, Daniel and Carla's over in China. Boom, that's good. All right. Uh, Every once in a while, we run over to Brazil. Boom, that's good. We got the Americas taken care of. We've got Asia taken care of. Well, Bill and Barb do this weird thing over in England every summer. So they got that taken care of. We got Europe down. All right, we're good. No. There are so many places on the face of this earth where no one knows Jesus. And God does not rest by His Spirit until the gospel is brought to them. And God says to you and I, go and make disciples. Baptizing them and teaching them all the things that I've taught you. And He says, I'll be with you to the end of the age. What does that mean? You go into all the world. You preach the gospel into all the world. I'll be with you to the end of the age. In other words, that's the age when all people have heard the gospel. That is the age right there. We are called to go into all the world. We're called to be global. And it seems like from from what we see in Scripture, God does that city by city by city. We use the term city, but it could be a town, it could be a village, it could be a hamlet. But for the sake of our purposes here, we're going to call it city, as does the Scripture. And we're going to talk about it for just a few minutes. So we have this view here from Scripture that we are endued with this power. We have the responsibility to share Christ with others. And we're to do that continually until the world has has been given the gospel. All right, now, let's get on a more personal level and let's talk about it in Life Church and what that looks like for just a minute, okay? Life Church, first of all, is called. Just like we are called, Life Church is called. All right, the calling on Life Church is a corporate calling of we, His people, who are in Life Church. All right? And so, Life Church is called. We're called to the neighborhood. In essence, if you look at a map, the heart of the city. If you look at a map of Sioux Falls and you look at downtown, downtown is not in the center of Sioux Falls. It's off to the side. It's offset a bit from the, from the geographical center of the city of Sioux Falls. But the heart of the city, honestly, is really closer to where we are and this Pettigrew Heights sort of neighborhood, if you will. All right. Now, that can change from time to time a little bit. But we're saying there's a center. There's a, there's a heart, if you will, to Sioux Falls. And, and that heart is right here. It's interesting that this is the area, a, a lot of where Sioux Falls began. And this is sort of the hallmark area of the city religiously. The cathedral is not very far from us. So this, this is an amazing older blend of the city of Sioux Falls. And it is also the area now where a lot of the ethnicities of Sioux Falls, uh, through the privilege of immigration, are coming into our city. And so we have one of the most diverse neighborhoods in all of the city of Sioux Falls. We have one of the most uniquely situated neighborhoods in all of the city of Sioux Falls. And so for us, there's, there's no doubt that we feel called to this very wonderfully unique neighborhood. And we believe that Jesus would come right here. If Jesus came to, 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 to Sioux Falls and he said, hmm, let's see, where would I like to start? I would like to start right there, here. Because there's a great need here. 
doesn't mean he doesn't want to be in other parts of the city, but there's a tremendous amount of brokenness. There's a tremendous amount of, of disenfranchisement. There's, there's a tremendous amount of, of um, pain and suffering. Uh, there's all kinds of addictions and things that are, that are, that are prominent in this particular neighborhood. Uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean that the neighborhood is a bad neighborhood. It means that it is a suffering neighborhood, and that's where Jesus would go. Jesus would go right into the middle of that. And so whether we wanted to or not, Jesus put us in the middle of that. All right? And so here we are. We are in this neighborhood. So we don't, we don't get away from this neighborhood we want to live in this neighborhood. We want to feel the call to this neighborhood and understand how to release the love of God into this neighborhood, okay? But we also need to understand that we are called to this city. Most of you don't work in this neighborhood. Most of you don't live in this neighborhood. You come into this neighborhood to worship the God of this neighborhood, which is Jesus. There are gods in this neighborhood that are idols, but the God of this neighborhood is still Jesus. It doesn't matter how many idols take over in a particular geographical location. It never stops being God's sovereign territory. All right? So no matter how many idols we see, we can't say, ah, get, you know, we have to give it up. You know, the devil's won there. No, the devil hasn't won here. Jesus is greater, and Jesus is Lord over this neighborhood like every other neighborhood. And so we live in this neighborhood spiritually. And so we're called here, and we're called here to be like Jesus, all right? Now, we also, like this, the, the passage said in the book of Acts, we are called beyond that. We are called into this region, if you will, this, this Judea, if you will, all right? And, and we're called into the Samaria, which means we're called into a greater region somehow, and so we do things, we do things citywide, we do things regionally, we do things nationally. You say, Pastor, how can we do all of that? I don't know, but we do it. We do it. Some of you are involved in things on a national level that have an effect on our nation as a whole. I'm very involved in a prayer movement that is in the city of Sioux Falls and is now moving out beyond the city of Sioux Falls. And I, I help lead that. And some of you have, have different ones of you. I've asked you to come and pray at those events. Uh, and it's a marvelous piece of the mix of Life Church for us to be able to do that, where we have a greater influence and a greater impact on the city. All right, that, that happens in the religious circle of Sioux Falls, all right? They're prayer meetings, okay? But here's, here's the greater advantage of Life Church. Many of you work in various parts of the city or outside of the city. And so you have a greater sphere of influence geographically because of your work. Some of you are very localized. All of you college students... Raise your hand if you're a college student. Oh, stand up. If you're a college student, stand up. What do we got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and not all of them are here today. So we got it, but we got a dozen right here. I thought so. Okay, you can sit down. Now let me ask you college students something. Think about this. Just want, just want you to think, all right? I want to put this seed in your heart. 
There's 12 of you here. What did Jesus do with 12? Just 12. That's all he needed. 12 that would lay down their lives and follow him. And he turned the world upside down. Guys, 13. It's growing. Oh, my word. They'll catch you up. (laughs) There's no reason for that campus to stay status quo. Every one of you have spheres of influence. And some of you have very uh, significant spheres of influence. How many of you are RAs? You're over a, a, a section of dorm. Raise your hand high. Come on. I know, I know you're tired, but come on. All right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven out of the 13 sitting here are RAs on campus. How, how many guys and gals do you kind of have oversight of in your, in your dorms? How many? 16. Each of you have about 16 people. Is that fairly? Okay. So we got seven people, and you all have 16 people that you're directly uh, able to influence. All right. Well, that's a nice start right there, isn't it? My goodness. But you're in classes, and you have instructors that you have conversations with and that you speak to. Uh, I'm telling you. It's crazy. What could happen? If we just begin to understand what God's called us to. Do you know what institutions can affect a city dramatically and in a short period of time? University campuses. <laughs> it's unbelievable what can happen on a... Some of, some of the greatest... Listen. Some of the greatest movements that have affected the culture of America over the last 70 years. 80 years have happened, have been born and happened and spread out of, off of college and university campuses. The greatest influences in American culture have come off of university campuses. There's no reason. I got to stop. We, there is so much that we can do. All right. Now, Isaiah talks about this stuff in this passage that Andrew read to you. And Isaiah was crazy about cities. Isaiah, he mentioned cities like 60 different times in the book of Isaiah. He's always talking about the city. And he's always positive. He's always upbeat. He's always like spiritually like, like there about the cities. All right. And so we take this and we look at the importance of cities. And in particular, he talks here in Isaiah about two different cities that I think it's important for us to look at for just a minute, all right? Like I said, God initially told the Israelites to build six cities of refuge. He wanted places where people could be safe. But, but Isaiah here is talking about, first of all, he talks about the importance of a city, but then he talks about two different kinds of cities, all right? Now, the book of Acts is telling us that we've got to be missionaries and that we've got to be going out. And, and if you look at that book all the way through, it talks exclusively about going into cities almost. All right. 
But here's the thing. How do you affect a city? The only way to affect a city with forgiveness and compassion and mercy and care and righteousness and salvation and all these things is that you go there and you embed or you enmesh yourself into that city and you live out these attributes among the people of that city. And you say, well, I'm only here. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just sort of passing through. See, I'm just a college student, and I'm just only here for a little while. No, you're here, period. Well, I, I just got transferred here in this interim, and I'm not going to be here for a long period of time. doesn't matter. You're here, period. Well, I'm, I'm here, but I'm a third or fourth generation, and, and, and we're from Desmet. doesn't matter. You are here. And, and you leave all of that to get here. And you're in this church for this season of life. And so you are called here based on the mission of this church. And so we have to see the importance of our city and understand that we are living in, in, in the context of the state of South Dakota, we are living in the most powerful city in the state. The greater influence of the culture and the current of the culture and how it moves and how it goes happens in this city. Because there are more hospitals and there are more universities and there are more colleges. There's more banking and finance here than any other city in the state. You say, but the government is in peer. The elected government, elected by the citizens, is in peer. You are from a different kingdom. You serve a king, King Jesus. And he's called you to a different order. That order doesn't allow you to violate this order. But your order is a greater order. And that is that in the context of this city, this state, this region, and beyond, you live with inside of its government, but you live under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he either is or is not your Lord. When we begin to look at this passage in Isaiah, it's, it, it's, a, it's a little bit disconcerting to me because I think most of us do what a lot of other people do. And that is that we look at it based on the idea that we're talking about, well, there's this lofty city and then there's this strong city. And, and oh, I get it. The lofty city, well, that is indicative of the city we live in now. All right. And in a sense, it is all right, because the lofty city and you read about in the book of Isaiah there in chapter 25, that city is based on pride. That city is based on self-salvation. The best example of that is is the Tower of Babel. That was built for self-salvation. Let us build this big tower that it may rise up to heaven and we may make a name for ourselves. See, in that culture, if you, could, if you had the privilege to name something, you had power. Let us make a name for ourselves. In other words, no one else is going to name us. No one else is going to give us our identity. We're going to do it ourselves. So there's no God that's going to tell us who we are and what we do. We're going to do that ourselves. And so they build this first skyscraper to make a name for themselves. 
See, that kind of mentality is such as one that says, I'm going to be my own savior. I'm going to have self-creation. I'm going to do that through performance and through accomplishment. That's the social order. That social order, folks, is an order of exhaustion, of drivenness, of oppression. It's a place where poor people are trampled over and, 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 and uh, used. It's, it's, a, it's a social order, a human social order that's built on power and self-creation. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it. It's going to be mine. I'm going to get somewhere. It's going to happen. That's a lofty city, a very prideful city, a very arrogant city, a very self-sufficient city. And we immediately go, ah, yep, that's like the cities that we live in on this earth today. And then you, you get to, to chapter 26, and right at the very beginning, there's this song that comes out, our city is a strong city. And then there's this, this descriptive thing about it, you know. And so it's a whole different social order this strong city is. It's one that's based on God's salvation. It's, it's, a, it's a social order that's based on peace. Uh, on my life benefiting you, not you benefiting me. And it's, and it's interesting because he goes right on in there, in that moment, and says, he will keep you in perfect peace. He will keep you in perfect peace when you're focused on him. So this order is marked by peace. That's the Hebrew word shalom. But, but the way it's written in the Hebrew there, it's like a double peace. It's like, he will give you peace, peace. In other words, there's, there's something very significant. And that, that word peace is much different than the word we use for peace, which the word we use for peace kind of means um, void uh, of uh, anything that would harm you or void of war or void of fighting or void of destruction, or those, those kinds of things, all right? That's how when we think of peace, we think of tranquil. Nothing that will bother us. Nothing that will hurt us. But peace in, in this particular usage here, it's a much richer word than the word that we use for, past, for peace. This actually means, this is what it means in, in the Hebrew. It means full flourishing. Peace, peace, this rich, full flourishing. This is what you have in a strong city. All right? It, it actually means webbed or knitted together. It also means cohesion and wholeness. And so here's this, this Hebrew doubling that gets this intensity across about this idea that a city that is built focused on God is a city where you find healing, you find connection, it's cohesive, you are growing, you are flourishing, if you will. And when we look at our city, we immediately begin to think, oh, well, I'm living in a lofty city. I'm, I'm living in an arrogant city. I'm living in a prideful city. I'm living in a sinful city because it's a sinful world. But there's this city that's coming, this new Jerusalem that you preached about the other Sunday, Pastor. That's coming. That's the strong city is the new Jerusalem. And it's going to be set down. It's going to be great. It is. But don't miss this. He is talking about this lofty city and he says in the midst of describing this city in the moment, he says, but we sing. Not later, not when Jesus returns, not down the road, but now we sing a song and we sing about our city is a strong city. 
Its walls are salvation. Its ramparts are salvation. This is a now thing. How can that be? All right. I'm going to blow it up for you right here, okay? And then we'll be done. Jesus talks to the people in Matthew chapter 5. And he's basically saying to them, You're a light, a city. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. What's he saying? You live in that lofty city, that city of pride and arrogance and self-sufficiency. But you don't live that. You live as the city of God. You live as me. You are a light in darkness. You are a city, if you will, that is set on a hill. It cannot be hidden. You're not an alternate city. You don't get to just come to church in your city and enjoy the service and the fellowship and get up and drive away and go back to your sweet little house in your sweet little neighborhood. You are the city. You are the city of God inside the city. And God is calling you to be a light, to be an example, if you will. He is calling us to this social order now, to live it out now inside the community of Jesus. And inside this place, folks, work should not be exhausting because you're not building yourself. You're building the kingdom of God. And so it should rather be flourishing because you are building a city where you are after the common good of those whom God has allowed to intersect your life. And you see, if you are God's, your life is not your own. And so this city has come because Jesus has come and Jesus has died and Jesus rose again and you are forgiven and you live out of that new life as a son and a daughter of God and you live in a lofty city but you are turning it It is beginning to flourish. It is changing. The spiritual level is rising if we are on mission and we are doing the things that God is calling us to do. Amen? Amen. You are a light, a city set on a hill. It cannot, cannot be hidden. Life Church cannot. Alicia. Well, we can be confident that God's redemptive work is for us, but also for our city. Um, I want to reread just a couple of verses here quickly. Um, In that day, the people will proclaim, this is our God. We trusted in him, and he saved us. This is the Lord in whom we trusted. Let us rejoice in the salvation he brings, for the Lord's good hand will rest on Jerusalem. The good news is this, that even though we were sinners, even though we were lost, Jesus came. God sent his one and only son to uh, be the atonement for our sins, to be the redemption that we need. And he willingly went to the cross. He was a sinless man, um, and he was fully God. He died for our sins so that we might know forgiveness, that we might know eternal life. 
And on the third day, he rose again and um, has permanently um, conquered sin and death for us and for all of creation. And we can take uh, great um, confidence and, and peace in this, this truth. And maybe some of you in here have received that gospel into your heart. You've received Christ as your Savior, and yet uh, maybe there's something missing. Maybe the Lord is calling you to do something greater for this city, uh, for wherever you're called. And you are wanting prayer. You're wanting wisdom for that. So when the prayer team comes up, we pray that, um, and we hope that you will come and receive prayer for what the Lord is calling you to do, um, that he would give you confidence and obedience to step forth and to, to be a light to the city. And maybe you're here, and this is good news that you've not heard before, and it's news that you're excited about, and you just feel this joy, and you want to know more. Um, we hope that you will also come up and talk with one of our prayer team members, ask them about what it means to receive Christ what it means to live and walk this out um, on a daily basis, and so that you can also be a light to this city.